This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Markin' Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. This is episode 587. Make sure you check out all of the past episodes, MarkinOut.com. Listen and subscribe over on everywhere that you love listening to podcasts. Make sure you go buy a t-shirt, Pro Wrestling Tees. Go like us over on Facebook. Go follow us on Twitter. Go follow us on Instagram. Go follow us on Twitch. Go send us an email. Go follow our personal accounts. And that being said, I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And you can follow me at David PT DPT. And I am here with the B to the G, Brandon. Follow him at BTTG161. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. You can check out Chris on Instagram at CMSweeney85 and at ChrisSweenDog on Twitter. How was your week? My week was fantastic. It was a, it was a fantastic week. How about yours? It was uh, it was good. I ended up making the gray stuff ah, that Disney sells, the, which is a reference to Beauty and the Beast. I know in the actual film Beauty and the Beast, the gray stuff wouldn't be a dessert uh-huh. because it was like an appetizer. But Disney sells it as an as a, a dessert, and I never had it there. But it was very very easy to make, and it came out really good to the point where I think everybody should be making this. The gray stuff. Well, yeah. if anybody listening doesn't know what the gray stuff is, make sure you definitely check us out on TikTok. Um, <laughs> we are trendy like that. We do have a But it's TikTok. not a recipe on TikTok. That's it's not the sense. recipe, but it is the fantastic gray stuff. That... You, take, you take vanilla pudding. It's like instant vanilla pudding. You make it. You mix in Cool Whip and crushed Oreos. I put mine in the, uh, the food processor. Uh huh. Became like a powder almost, and then you mix in, I think it was like three tablespoons or something of uh, the of chocolate pudding mix. You don't make the chocolate pudding; you just put the the chocolate pudding mix into the other ingredients. Yeah. Mix it all up, let it sit in the fridge, and it gets like super thick. It's like a cookies and cream pudding. It's really really good. Well, at some point I'll have to come on over and give it a shot. Or you could do it yourself because it's super easy to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can easily do it myself as well. Um, yeah, I could definitely do that. How about that Rangers game? The Rangers oh, man, Penguins. that was uh, that was quite the exciting game. Yeah, for those not knowing, uh, it was a triple overtime game. Um, very rare. Yeah, very rare. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable game. A ton of fun. Um, yeah. But, hey. Also, ha- by the way, I my I went to my grandma's unveiling on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Which, I, if you're not Jewish, I don't know if they don't have unveilings, right? Mm-mm. 
I don't think so. So basically, you you say a prayer over the the headstone, and you remove the the cheesecloth that's placed there, and it's supposed to signify like the end of your mourning. You could like finally move on, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So my dad was up from Florida for that. So we ended up going out to eat afterwards to this place in Melville called The Refuge. And I'm going to name them because <laughs> it was a pretty, like, hipstery place. Mm-hmm. And they allowed dogs to be there. Dogs? I thought that was disgusting. <laughs> They have like a section outside, I guess, for dogs. But like, there were there were dogs inside that restaurant. That's pretty wild. The food I thought was was decent. I got a barbecue chicken pizza that was like maybe a notch above California Pizza Kitchen pizza. So it's like that's not a great review, but it's not the worst pizza in the world. No, definitely it's is not. not. That's <laughs> it's cool. Not the greatest, but it had. Like, it had pickled onions on it, which I didn't get, and it had a ton of black and white sesame seeds around the, the rim of the crust or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, didn't understand that, being like there being so many sesame seeds on there. And then it had chicken on it. I thought it should have been like a chicken cutlet, like a fried chicken cutlet, but overall, I enjoyed the the food. I enjoyed the pizza. I just don't think I'd go back there again, but... The, well, the fact, I've never walked into a restaurant where they're like, bring your dog, brother. Well, there you have it. That's the verdict. <laughs> yeah. You know? But let's get on to some sports entertainment and speak about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Did I say Chris won't be joining us? Uh, No, but they could still follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Which is, yeah, that I put over. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Monday Night Raw opened up with the bloodline. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 10 minutes before we heard Roman Reigns talk and tell the crowd to acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was but a while. The outcome of this, we saw RK-Bro come from behind and take out the Usos with the RKO. Drew McIntyre came out, and that they went to, to Brawl. The Usos jumped Drew McIntyre, RK-Bro get back into the ring, and it, it led to a pull-apart. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice opener for Monday Night Raw. Uh, after that, you we know, saw it the sets up everything with Backlash. Profits. Yeah, it does. But we saw the Street Profits. They showed a clip from earlier in the night with Ezekiel introducing himself to them, and they knew who he was. They knew that he was Ezekiel. And then they showed Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens cut him off, basically yelling, this is Elias. And it sets up a match where the Alpha Academy, specifically Chad Gable, and Kevin Owens pick up the victory over the Street Profits and Ezekiel. That's funny, the Prophet Ezekiel, isn't that a thing? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, I thought it was a decent match. I like the the three man drop kick that the Street Profits did with Ezekiel to Otis, but in the end, Kevin Owens ends up tripping Ezekiel, leading to Chad Gable to pick up the victory. And prior to this match starting, I was like, "Oh well, obviously Chad Gable's going to be losing this," but pleasantly surprised. No, yeah, that was definitely. Uh, 
I think a, a good thing that took place. But Although next... I wouldn't have minded if Ezekiel won. I would still like to see more of his moveset. I hope it's not the exact like carbon copy Elias. I mean, so far it hasn't been. I mean, we've seen yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, no, it hasn't been. So you know, we've seen him in action already, and I've been really impressed by what I've been seeing with Ezekiel. You know, it's been totally, totally different from Elias. You know, doing the body splash in the corner. I mean, I don't remember Ezek- uh, Elias doing the body splash in the corner or anything like that before. Right. You know, just a totally different person. Um, but next up, you had Veer pick up the victory over Burt Hansen. Um, not to be confused, uh, I know that there was a lot of things going around on Twitter. Burt Hansen is not one of the original members of Hansen. Um, he was not one of the inventors and founders of Mbop. Inventors? Yes. <laughs> but Byron Saxton interviewed him beforehand, and he was like, I signed up for this match because all I've wanted was to compete in my hometown on Monday Night Raw. And I thought that was a great like interview segment that we're getting from an unknown person just basically there to put beer over. Oh, yeah, totally. The dude at one point in the match hits Veer in the face and Veer gets like, he snaps, that sets him off. That that's the beginning of the end right there. Yeah, and that we was got a to see more. We got to see more moves from Veer this match. Yeah, and he continued the attack afterwards, like we've seen the past times we've seen Veer wrestle. This time, he locks the clutch in using the ropes, and I like that too. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, every week we're seeing a different variation of the clutch. Um, a variation. A variation. Yes. <laughs> Some may say that. After that, um, well, actually, earlier on, they showed AJ Styles being interviewed backstage, and AJ Styles ended up getting a stipulation added to the match, uh, his match with Damian Priest, where if Damian Priest beats him, um, or if he beats Damian Priest, Damian Priest will be banned from ringside at Backlash. Edge and Damian Priest end up Speaking about AJ Styles, where Edge, I think, got some good heat in. And I think it was real heat. I don't know if it was, like, canned or not. It looked real to me. It looked real. Yeah, I think so. But AJ Styles interrupted Edge, and it goes to the match where AJ picks up the victory over Damian Priest. And now Priest is banned from from the ringside of, of WrestleMania Backlash. I thought it was a good match. Yeah, and then the beatdown. I mean, he, you had a he, yeah, he worked him over and everything. But then after the match, specifically, yeah, the shoulder. But then and Edge thing, distracted. Edge distracted AJ Styles, and you think that's the end of the match for for AJ. AJ gets out of the way. He he moves out of the way of Damian Priest's big boot and rolls him up, picks up the victory. Yeah, but the beatdown took place after was pretty. Uh, pretty hardcore but then the ma- the big thing coming out of this was Finn Balor coming out making a save for AJ Styles and then tossing up the good old uh, bullet club you know yeah, the uh, the click hand too sweet yeah on the bullet uh, club is near fun. bullet clubs all over the television this on week. their near anniversary too I think it was actually nine the years day no after Monday Night Raw how many years was it? I think it was nine years, yeah. Was it nine years? Yeah. Wow, that means that means for five years, four to five years, Bullet Club actually meant something. 
And then for the time after that, that's how useless it has it has been just sitting there, taking well, up some space. Some people are, are saying it's going to be a, a boom period for the Bullet Club coming up with Juice Robinson randomly joining. A boom period of the Bullet Club. So that's good because that means that people actually understand that the Bullet Club is nothing right now. It really wow. is nothing. <laughs> I mean, you have to have a boom period after a lull period. So obviously these fans are admitting that there is a lull period in this Bullet Club right now. Because what are you, trying is, to fight New Japan fans? What's going on here? It is nothing. I mean, it really is nothing. You're Bullet fight Club Impact is fans? going to fight, fight AEW fans? I don't know what you're doing. What's your angle here? <laughs> hey, you know, come at me at BTTG161. Right. I'm here for but you. But I'm I, <laughs> now wondering, because Damian Priest is banned from ringside at WrestleMania Backlash, do we see new members come Sunday? I feel like we have to. It's possible. I there, has to be, yeah. there has to be a way for Edge to go over by cheating it could. or something like that. It could be. It could be. I hope if there is, it's just one member. I don't want to see two. I would have 100% thrown out Grizzled Young Veterans, but I'll put a pin in that. Uh-oh. After There's that, we saw, we saw Miz TV with Mustafa Ali as the guest, and his music was cut off, his mic was cut off, and Miz brought up Mustafa interrupting him and Austin Theory last week. And They really should just pipe in cheers for Mustafa Ali. They, they might. really should. They should pipe in cheers for him because at this rate, I don't know who cares about him. Um, I know the you do. I know I do. But the live crowd really doesn't seem to care about Mustafa Ali until there's that play towards the fans. The I'm here for you, the universe, the WWE universe. And then once the and then of course the cheap pop goes over. But besides that, I'm sorry. No, it's not working. Well, they went back and forth only to be cut off by Austin Theory. And he said that he had Miz's loss last week stricken, 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 stricken from the record book, I think. Stryoken. Stryoken. And then Mustafa Ali wants to earn his title shot. And he then has to face Miz and Austin Theory. And surprisingly... Miz and Austin Theory picked up the victory over Mustafa Ali. I thought for sure we were going to see him win that. Yeah. But Austin Theory ended up grabbing Ali on the outside. when when he got back in, Miz hit him with the skull-crushing finale. And afterwards, again, like last week, Tommaso Ciampa, now just known as Ciampa, attacked Mustafa Ali. If you really want to even call it an attack, I mean... It wasn't really, it was, okay, he attacked him. He hit him from behind, but that was it. There was no stomping him out while he was on the ground. There was no going and just just locking in a submission though. hold. Remember, Edge just did that. He tapped him from behind. But Edge just did what you described, so keep that Edge, in mind. Well, obviously, Champa needs a little bit of assistance then. Because, well, I don't know, maybe... Maybe we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah. Earlier in the, the, the day, though, they had the 24-7 championship stuff where Reggie kept apologizing to Dana Brooke. And then she was like, "Our truth you owe me an apology. 
And our truth is like it was a test. It was a test. And then Tamina yelled at Tazawa for not helping her with the title. Out. Yeah, I wish. I I was just thinking the same thing. I wish he is so underrated. Yeah. Test, test. This is a test. I mean, I was just watching a clip of TNA. I feel like that tag team is highly underrated. Test and Albert. Yeah. With Trish. Stratus. I was a huge fan of of Test. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, even his ECW phase, Tess was really yeah. coming into his own. Yeah, he and, died um, way too soon. Uh, I know. So just way too unfortunate. And I, I, I hope that fans this day and age, like the younger fans and newer fans, actually go back and watch test matches and TNA matches and stuff like that. I really hope so. He died just days before his, his 34th birthday. Awful, awful. I mean, and he played such important roles in WWE history, the Attitude Era. I mean, him and Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. Like, him and Stephanie pretty much led to Stephanie and Triple H. It did lead to Stephanie it and did, Triple yeah, H. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't pretty much. It did lead to Stephanie and Triple H. Test is uh, greatly missing. Definitely, I hope that people do still uh, keep up with his matches. But, but uh, yeah, Tamina ends up yelling at Akira Tozawa for not helping her. And then Nikki A.S.H. comes out of nowhere and attacks um, Dana Brooke and wins the championship. And then that leads into a match later on in the night where we saw Dana Brooke pick up the victory over Nikki A.S.H. to become the new 24-7 champion. And Akira Tozawa immediately tried to pin Dana Brooke. R-Truth pulls him off, immediately tries to pin her. But uh, did he win the title? Um, I don't think so. I think Dana Brooke got away. No. Because Tamina's, Tamina, yeah, Tamina broke it up, and then Dana Brooke ends up running off, only to have Reggie roll her up, and then Dana ends up slapping him in the face and drops the bombshell. She wants a divorce. Bow, bow, bow. And then later on, R-Truth spoke with Reggie, just tried to cheer him up, and Reggie's like, he had no idea what a prenup is. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. And then R-Truth just offered his services as an attorney. So yeah, R-Truth I, does it all. Yeah, and R-Truth is just pure gold, you know? And then furthermore, after that segment, Nikki A.S.H. was shown looking all super sad, and Dewdrop approached her. And she's like, are you done? Are you ready to take things more seriously? So I think this is the end of Nikki A.S.H. Could be the end of Dewdrop as well. Uh, we don't know. It could be. Possibility. I don't think so. I mean. I can't see her getting another name change. We could be, you know. And Nikki A.S.H. Triple Crown. Or no, Grand Slam. I no, Absolutely not. What was she? Absolutely she was saying not. she was saying absolutely. <laughs> you saw not. her tweet though, right? I saw her tweet. I God bless her for being uh, the the Raw SmackDown or whatever it was, and the twenty four seven champion and Money in the Bank holder. You need the NXT Women's Championship, in my opinion, to be triple crown. You need okay. That. I hear you. Grand I Slam you. included the tag team championships, which is which she has. So, 
I guess yeah. technically she's just missing the NXT tag team uh, uh, women's championship. Yeah. But after that, we saw Seth Rollins' appreciation night where he felt like he needed to have his own spotlight just to mock Cody Rhodes. And he felt like he needed his own appreciation night just to basically mock Randy Orton from what happened last week. And the fans were chanting for Seth here. It was awesome. Yeah. And he goes to air a uh, video package for himself and Cody ends up coming out and he's like, I could praise you, but you're delusional. Seth Rollins brings up Dusty Rhodes and said that Dusty was delusional and he wasn't good enough to be WWE champion. And that led to Cody and Seth Rollins brawling. Cody Rhodes over in North Cackalack. The last time he was there getting booed out of the building, I believe. Wow. That's what a difference a company can make. That's that's true. Very true. But Earlier in the night, we saw Cedric Alexander approach MVP and almost to, to have a talk where he blamed Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley's egos as to why they lost the titles and said that he wants to be back with MVP. So he got himself a match with Bobby Lashley and MVP's like, I'll be watching. Lashley goes on to pick up the victory over Cedric Alexander, but almost an MVP came out. And MVP spoke during the match, which to me, it looked, it didn't look like it caused very many distractions there. Uh, Lashley won with the hurt lock. I don't think he was distracted by it that much. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't but it was, think it so was enjoyable for a second, thinking Cedric would be used more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But next up, you had a little splice from earlier in the night. Adam Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville is, like, really going to get herself in uh, quite trouble. Yeah, they've uh, abusive power has been thrown around. Upper management has been wanting to investigate. And yeah. they wanted to see Sonya Deville compete without the power. So they set up Sonya Deville, Becky Lynch, and Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. And then she tried to make it a no-holds-barred match, and Adam Pearce like, no. (laughs) Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan were were interviewed later on about the match. The actual match itself, Asuka picks up the victory, Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, uh, and they pick up the victory. And I thought it was a decent match. I liked the fact that this was the main event. Yeah, I was a big fan that this was a main, was the main event of the evening. Even the, uh, Asuka, the start of this match where Becky, like, right off the bat avoided Asuka. I like that part. Yeah, I mean, and Asuka coming at her very hot out of the, out of the gate. Um, but I thought that this was a, a really good match. I liked the involvement of Liv with Rhea Ripley. You know, everything was really played out very well in this match, very... I thought it was really good. The coolest thing from this match, to me, it took like too much of a setup to do, yeah, but yeah. it was an awesome move because like commentary even like called out like, oh, well, where's Liv? Yeah, they probably But Asuka have... ends up bumping Sonya Deville off the apron and Liv catches her with that code breaker. I thought that was great. Yeah. 
Sonya Deville tries to cheat with her feet on the rope. Ref immediately sees it, and Bianca Belair knocks her feet off the ropes. Liv Morgan ends up hitting the Oblivion, picks up the victory. Big shine for for Liv. I thought Asuka was going to pick up that that win. Yeah, I thought that Asuka would have picked up the victory, but Liv Morgan getting the victory is incredible, especially going against Rhea Ripley, you know? Yeah. I think that's perfect. NXT spring break-in opened with a promo video rundown of the show from Pretty Deadly. So we got to see more of that side of Pretty Deadly where they're, like, talking and stuff. Like, what we saw in NXT UK, what people most likely here weren't watching. So I thought that was good. But the first match sees... Cameron Grimes pick up the victory over Carmelo Hayes and Solo Sokoa to retain the North American Championship. And I gotta say, these three killed it. I, I totally this, agree with you. This was such a good match. I like that super kick that Solo hit to Carmelo Hayes, which uh-huh. led to him hitting like a flipping power bomb, I guess, for for Cameron Grimes. I thought that was nice. Yeah. The, the Tower of Doom spot, I thought, was well done, too. I don't think it was forced at all. No, I don't think it was forced. I mean, Tower of, Tower of Doom spot can easily come off as forced as well, but this it, it flowed really perfectly. Yeah, it was very natural. So, yeah. well done to the three of them. Um, after that, throughout the whole night, we saw Mandy Rose, and she goes tanning. Wendy Chu ends up sneaking in and up the tanning amount. Or time, I guess. And she came out super red. And Gigi and JC were like, well, you you can't go to the beach. <laughs> but we still want to go. So they go to the beach without Mandy. And Rox, Roxanne <laughs> and Wendy Chu, they start following them. They stole their car keys. They stole their flip-flops. They and- made them They made them run in the parking lot with bare feet on a hot, hot Floridian uh Parking lot floor, ground. Yeah, basically just leads to a tag team match to for next week. Yeah, um, I I thought that this was awesome. You know, you had uh, Roxanne uh, being like, "Shouldn't we be training?" And Wendy Chu was just like, "We are training. This is training. You'll see." I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah, but uh, after that, though, probably the saddest thing from NXT <sighs> this week. Yeah. In a backstage segment, Indy Hartwell's, uh, it was a quick segment. Indy Hartwell's, though, like, looking very sad at her ring finger. Duke Hudson walks in. I don't know if he's like, I know how you feel or whatnot, but it seemed like that. And he kind of, like, leans in where it looked like maybe he was going in for a kiss. She screams. She's like, ew. And he goes, in your dreams. And then he <laughs> ends up walking out. But it's just, it that sucks that they, that's how they have to explain the absence of of Persia Parada and and Dexter Loomis. Yeah, you know, it, it really it stinks, but you know, what else are they supposed to do? You know, not release people mid storyline? <laughs> That's I mean, there's something some, they could do. There's some storylines where is it really worth it, you know? I know it's not like they're not like a full-fledged storyline or or anything, but still. Like, yeah, exactly. It's it's just a side storyline. I just I so, don't get it. It's that's very unfortunate. It still is. Yeah. I spoke about that last week. It sucks. It I 
Totally agree with you, you know. But next up, you had Nathan Fraser pick up the victory over Grayson Waller in his debut. Yeah. Also, um, they killed it. Yeah, Fraser was highly touted coming into this and lived up to his name. Lived up so to the rumors. You, you keep saying Fraser. Yeah. I think it's just Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Because I like it might be the the UK pronunciation of Fraser or whatnot, but every uh-huh. time I listen to them talk about him on TV, it's Fraser. And I'm if call you look at NF. the spelling, it's F R A Z E R. Yeah. So it's not like Fraser. That's true. That's but very true. That that flipping unprettier. That I don't know what you call it. A sunset flipping unprettier. That that uh, Grayson Waller did. Fantastic. Yeah, that was cool. But yeah. Andre Chase ends up blasting an air horn, knocks Waller off the top rope. He got scared, and Fraser was able to hit the, the Phoenix Splash to pick up the victory there. I liked even in that match of, um, it was I think it was towards the beginning of the match, Grayson Waller teasing the curb stomp, giving like ties to Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins trained Fraser. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool also. No, oh, yeah. I th- definitely thought so. We found out more women in the breakout tournament. We found out Fallon Henley will be in it. We found out Tatum Paxley will be in it. And Nikita Lyons is also going to be in it. I'm not sure when we found that out, but um, there was a poll on WW.com that included her. So right off the bat, with all these competitors, I feel like the only person who should win, no offense to any of the other women, the only person, in my opinion, that should be winning this is Roxy. Roxanne. Roxanne? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, After that, we had the Legato del Fantasma and Tony D'Angelo sit down, where Santos, he wants the two families to join together. And have Tony follow them. And then they made a peace agreement. And Santos met up with AJ Galante in the parking lot later on. And Legato ends up taking Galante out. This after Santos supposedly makes peace with the two families. So. Somebody. Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> I think so. I like this sit down. I thought that this sit down and everything, it was very tense. You know, it was very Godfatherish. I was a big fan of it. Yeah, very. It's, I mean, it's with Tony D'Angelo, obviously, you're getting mafioso. Yeah, exactly. But next matchup, you had Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons pick up the victory over Natalia and Lash Legend. Um,. It was a good match. Yeah, I thought it was decent. A lot better than the match last week. We had the addition of Natalia. We had the addition of Jade. Natalia, Jade, yep. Natty ends up accidentally kicking Lash Legend. I like that spot. Yeah. That was a good spot. Also, uh, I don't know if you'd call this a sad moment. Maybe a little bit. But earlier in the night, we saw Diamond Mind... Diamond Mine and Roderick Strong just yelling at them to reinforce that he's the leader, kind of pointing out without actually saying that Malcolm Bivens is no longer there. Yeah. And then the Viking Raiders were interviewed later on, 
pretty deadly interrupted them. But we saw the Creed brothers pick up the victory over the Viking Raiders. I thought it was a, a good match for the Creeds. And it's good for them to be working a team like the Viking Raiders. Oh, yeah. I thought so, too. I mean, um, and something that I liked about this, I liked even the Viking Raiders. I liked their interactions with Pretty Deadly, too. Um, you know, but this matchup itself, it was good. It was solid. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of bummed that the War Raiders had to lose, but, you know, well, they had maybe to. Maybe we'll see Viking Raiders. It seems like it, they have to be taking on Pretty Deadly or something like that next week or something. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking to. War Raiders versus Pretty Deadly. I So, as you know, I don't know the UK. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> it's pretty located on a map. No, I've never been. Um, but seeing Pretty Deadly standing up to... Either, but... <laughs> standing up to uh, War Raiders? It's I Viking. thought that, that was... Huh? Uh, yeah, I it's thought that Viking. that... Oh, I'm sorry. War Vikings, Viking Raiders, War Raiders, whatever. Hansen, Roe... Ivar, Nelson, I don't know. But seeing the Pretty Deadly, I didn't know that they were that tall. Like they look yeah. like they're they they look like they're pretty much replicas of Drew McIntyre built. You know, like that with that with that height, with that height and physique. But they're like I don't know. They looked a lot taller like... than the War Vikings. I think they're only like six feet. No, they were taller than Hanson and Row. I don't they, know. On screen, they looked a lot taller than Hanson and Row. Ivar is six like two. Six, huh? Ivar six two, and Eric is six one. Pretty deadly here. It says six one and five eleven. No way. On the screen, they looked like they were standing six foot four. And that's kind of uh, wild that Hanson and Rowe aren't as tall as I thought they were, too. You know, they, stay, they stand the same height as Daniel Bryan. No. Pretty much. No. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> but uh, I liked the, the drop kick that Julius hit to knock Ivar off the apron. And... I thought the ending got a bit chaotic. Roderick Strong ends up kicking Eric in the the head behind the referee's back and ran off. And then they saw the replay of that and they got pissed off that Roderick Strong did that. Roderick Strong, it hits the the internet this week. He asked for his release from WWE. They're not granting it, apparently. Yeah, they're like, we're going to just find a way to use you. I mean... Maybe he'll be making his way to SmackDown. I don't know. Could have already happened. Who knows? I mean, if a wrestler asks for their release, I hope they get released. Well, you know? we saw Mustafa Ali didn't get released. He was very vocal about it on Twitter. That's very true. I mean, who knows? Maybe Mustafa Ali still wants to get released. We saw, you know? yeah, I mean, FTR, the Revival, very, very much so wanted their release. And then they, yeah. they ended up becoming the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and then eventually they were granted their release, but... Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Next week, we are going to be seeing Alba Fire 
make her debut, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it that since everybody knows Kaylee Ray, but first time we'll see Alba Fire wrestle. I'm excited for that. We we saw a backstage segment with Briggs and Jensen where they spoke about Jensen's injury. He won't be out that long. They made a, uh, a masturbatory joke also, by the way. Yeah, they did funny. that, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. I thought that was, come on. Is there any uh, reason you could think of why your hand is stronger this side? <laughs> yeah, when they said that, it was just like, oh, no, we know where that's going, and it probably shouldn't go there. Yeah, like, to me, I thought that was a, a good joke compared to on AEW Dynamite, where mm-hmm. Adam Page, I guess, I mean, kind of made it seem like CM Punk does that to to Bret Hart matches? I I think it's tasteless. I mean, personally, I don't even personally I don't even like it when they do those jokes in movies. You know, so this is I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's stupid and tasteless. The main event, though, we saw Braun Breaker pick up the victory over Joe Gacy to retain the NXT Championship. Big pop for Braun Breaker wearing. Rick Steiner's actual singlet out. Did people actually know that it was his singlet? I don't think so. So commentary and the NXT Twitter account tweeted out, and they said that this was the singlet that Rick Steiner wore on the debut episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Not the case, though. Oh. That's not not the singlet. Steiner wore like a a rainbow-y sort of singlet and it's funny because then people are like well maybe they meant their wwe debut which you go back to that match and scott steiner is wearing that singlet but his own version of it Mm -hmm. rick's not wearing that that singlet but it's definitely a very famous singlet of rick steiner i knew it right away i know because it's a, a figure that jack specific made for classic superstars so I actually don't remember. Actually, I kind of remember them wearing pink. I it's actually pink do. with the numbers all I over do. it. That's like a hundred percent. Like to the, me, if you were to ask me what Rick Steiner's most famous singlet is from his run from that era, it's for me a hundred percent. It's that singlet. For me, it goes into like more rainbow colors all over, mm. like the multicolor ones. Yeah. I kind of remember stand out to me a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. So onto this match, this match, it really didn't, it didn't do too much for me. I mean, the match itself, it was good. It wasn't great. It was good. Yeah. I thought it was decent. No way did I think Joe Gacy was winning this match. But Joe Gacy had his like druids or whatever they're calling them pop up in the crowd all over the place. And he did warn Braun Breaker that. If he loses, there's going to be, like, some sort of hell to pay. He wins the match. Braun Breaker retains the title. The Druids show up. Two Druids come up on the the ring apron, and they cut off the show. That's the end of the segment. We don't know what happened after that. I thought that was the dumbest ending. I hated that ending. Yeah, it didn't do anything for me. Now the question is, 
And now people are like, oh, it's a cliffhanger. I know what it's I know it's a cliffhanger. I thought it was dumb. Yeah. But the big question that people are saying, who are the druids? Who are those two druids? And people are throwing out grizzled young veterans. Huh. I would prefer to see them. And obviously, I mean, if you think about their promos, kind of sound lost. Uh-huh. And who, who makes people found? Joe Gacy. Even though okay. Harlan is gone. Okay. I under I see where you're coming with that. But I would prefer, because of Edge and his promo about how Damian Priest was kind of just lost. And how he didn't have a WrestleMania match. And how Edge had to beg for a match. And how yeah. the Grizzled Young Veterans are underutilized. We came up short two times in a row in the Dusty Classic. We came here in whatever year hoping to become tag team champions. We have yet to accomplish that. I hope that we see them show up at Backlash on Sunday. As opposed to them being the Druids. Um, I don't know. I mean... I could definitely see where you're coming with it, and it does make sense storyline-wise in both categories. I do hope that they're with Edge outside of um, Harlan 2.0 because, let's face it, Grizzled Young Vets, they deserve to be on that main roster. You know? It would be nice to see that get thrown to them, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. That uh, That is spring breaking, though. Moving over to NXT UK, which opened up with the Supernova Sessions with Lash Legend as Noam Dar's guest. But this was by far, I think, one of the funniest segments I've ever seen on NXT UK. Like, it was pretty goofy. He opens it up. He had, like, the limpest flowers. <laughs> For Lash Legend. And she takes the flowers. She's like, oh, thanks. And then Shaw Samuels goes out of the ring. Gets this, like, great big flower bouquet. And hands it to her. And she tosses the one that Noam Dar gives. I thought that was so funny. But she basically just says that she's there to run through the competition in NXT UK. And later on, Shaw Samuels kind of is still trying to woo Lash Legend. And Damon Kemp. The older brother of Gable Stevenson, he uh, showed up and made fun of Shaw Samuels, and she walked off, and Damon's just like, oh, watch my match, brother. After that, we saw Sid Scala announce two matches between four teams where the two winners of those teams will go on to a triple threat match to face Mustache Mountain for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Von Wagner ends up cutting him off, and then Sam Sam Gradwell cut him off, which sets up a match between these two, I assume. We'll see if that takes place. I have no idea. After that, though, we saw Tiger Turan make his in-ring debut, picking up the victory over Tate Mayfair's, and they're giving, like, backstories to Turan, and I don't know if it's true or not. I feel like it's more so on the kayfabe side. And, like, how Pat Patterson won the, the tournament in Rio de Janeiro, whatever, to, to become Intercontinental Champion. Or how Zack Ryder won the Internet Championship. 
But I am now starting to think that it might be Amir Jordan under that mask because we saw him last in May 2021. He lost the Loser Leaves NXT UK match. And I was like, okay, maybe he's showing up in NXT in the United States. That never happened. A whole year went by. So I'm almost positive that Tiger Turan is Amir Jordan. But after that, we saw Damon Kemp pick up the victory over Danny Jones, which was somewhat of a quick match. Jones kind of controlled most of it, but in the end, uh, Kemp was able to hit a rolling fireman's carry and then held on, picked him up for a body slam. Wasn't the prettiest, but Shaw Samuels attacked him afterwards. So I can only assume that's leading to Shaw Samuels and Damon Kemp in a match. And then the main event was a match that I was going in blind. Everybody was. Mako Satamora picks up the victory over Isla Dawn to retain the women's championship in a World of Darkness match. And it was like a hardcore match with weird sound effects and lights. The, the lights were like dark and blue. Isla Dawn was able to do like magical stuff during it and have like smoke and lights and stuff. And I thought that was a really cool match type that we have not really seen in WWE before. And then she also used stuff that she collected from previous opponents, which I thought was was a good callback. But Mako ends up setting up a chair and hits the Scorpio Rising Kick off of it, which is kind of similar to how Hikaru Shida would do her knee. And overall, I thought this was a really good match, and I really liked that stipulation. I thought that was really cool, and I hope that's not the last of the World of Darkness matches that we've seen. But that was NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. It was supposed to open with Aaliyah versus Charlotte, but that match ends up not happening. Flair cuts a promo on Ronda Rousey and Aaliyah and attacked Aaliyah before the match even started. And Aaliyah refused to say I quit, so I liked them adding that into there. But Ronda Rousey came out, they brawled, Davari got kicked in the face by Charlotte, and it was basically just a, an over and over again pull apart brawl. Uh, probably more decent of a, a, a brawl that led to their match, that's leading to their match at Backlash, rather than the brawl that they had leading to their match at WrestleMania. After that, though, saw Shayna Baszler pick up the victory over Sasha Banks. And I kind of wish I went to SmackDown just to see this match. Um, not not the not that it was like the, the best match ever. I just think it's a cool lineup. I like both of them. But Shayna Baszler cheated to win this. And then her and Natalya attack Team Bad. Naomi ends up kicking her way out of it. And they escape from that. Leading to their match of Backlash as well. After that, Happy Talk took place and Madcap Moss cut him off from backstage and made fun of him. Then made his way to the ring to basically say it to his face. And he ran down all the names that Corbin's gone by recently and pitched Corbin maybe trying to be entertaining for once. And he got the crowd to chant Big Bald Wolf and Baron Corbin walked off pretty, pretty sad. 
After that, Drew Gulak, they ran down all the, the things that he's been doing recently, all his auditions, his interning, and then he gets in the ring, he's about to have a match, and it turns out he's facing Gunter. Gunter picks up the victory, and I think it's cool that Gulak wrestled, but I'd like to see him actually wrestle. There was a quick second in this match where it's like, oh, he's going to reverse that. He did reverse something. And it's just, I mean, obviously, come on. You know, a match against Gunter right now on SmackDown is not going to be favoring a Gulak match. Uh, After that, Shinsuke Nakamura spoke about the bloodline and what they did to Rick Boogs as if they actually injured Rick Boogs. But he said that he hasn't forgotten about what they did to him. And one day soon, he's going to get a piece of Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn, lurking behind a truck, ends up interrupting Paul Heyman to tell him about Shinsuke Nakamura. He's like, I want you to make sure you tell Roman Reigns that I'm going to do him this favor. I'm going to take care of Shinsuke Nakamura for Roman Reigns. Putting a pin in that, the next match saw Sheamus and Ridge Holland pick up the victory over New Day in a table match, which was a really good match. Kofi Kingston at one point dove onto Sheamus to the outside of the ring, putting him through the barricade, which looked absolutely brutal. Sheamus also hit the white noise to Kofi Kingston on the apron, which again looked brutal. But Butch showed up and attacked New Day, kind of like a, honestly, hornswoggle. When he was a little bastard, when he'd come out from under the ring and just be a fierce little guy and attack people, that's what it reminded me of. But that caused... Ridge Holland and and Sheamus to get the upper hand and the advantage and they put Xavier Woods through the table to pick up the victory and this could have easily been some sort of like throwaway match or something but I thought this was very entertaining maybe the most entertaining match in Smackdown in quite some time after that Lacey Evans they did a whole backstage segment with her uh, about suicide and it was very uncomfortable to listen to And then they introduced her by asking the crowd to applaud her, which I thought was kind of weird. That seems like a heel thing to do. But they came out, they cheered, they stood up and and applauded her. Uh, Earlier in the night, leading with that pin with uh, Sami Zayn, he approached Adam Pearce to request a match with Shinsuke Nakamura next week. And Adam Pearce is like, yeah, you can have it tonight. And then Sammy went on to have that match and pick up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura via countout, where Nakamura pretty much controlled most of it. Sammy took over a little bit. Nakamura ends up turning it around. And right before he hits the Kinshasa, Sammy Zayn rolls out of the ring. Nakamura hits him with a huge running knee outside of the ring, but Sammy gets up. He goes behind the the commentary table, and when Nakamura went over to approach him, he got hit with a huluva kick on the outside. And Sami Zayn got back into the ring before the ref counted 10, and Shinsuke Nakamura lost. I I would like to have seen an actual finish, but I think what happened where Sami Zayn's going to get that Cheap win over Nakamura, then he goes back to Paul Heyman or Roman Reigns to try to be like, hey, brother, look what I did for you. But we'll see. The end of SmackDown, we had the the face-to-face between the Bloodline and RK-Bro and McIntyre. 
throughout the night. They all had their own interviews, basically hyping up the match at Backlash. And for the actual segment itself, Riddle had Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre working out their past history and acknowledging some things. That was a big part of it, just the acknowledged, acknowledged, which I thought was funny. The crowd got into it. And they're beyond their history. They've accepted it. But with two minutes left, the bloodline came out and they all brawled. And I liked that part. I liked RK Bro both hitting... Uh, the Usos with RKO's and then Randy Orton kind of ducked out of the way. So Drew McIntyre could hit the Claymore on Roman Reigns to finish the, the show. But that's SmackDown going to do some WrestleMania backlash predictions. It's taking place at the Dunkin Donuts center in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, what should we start with? Should we start with uh, Happy Corbin versus Mad Cat Moss? Let's start with it. I'm going with Mad Cat Moss. Yeah, I'm going Mad Cat Moss as well. We have Bobby Lashley taking on Almost. I feel like that's a Bobby Lashley win, right? I feel like it is a Bobby Lashley win as well. And I'm going to say I like his entrance. Bobby Lashley? Yeah, the new one. It's kind of like Narcissist Lex Luger where he's standing on the podium. Welcome to WrestleMania. Thank you. <laughs> was it? It was Bobby Lashley. Did Bobby Lashley beat almost at WrestleMania? He did. He I mean, did. I'm going to switch my answer. I'm going to say almost wins. All right. With maybe the help of Cedric Alexander. Could be. We have... AJ Styles versus Edge with Damian Priest banned from ringside. I'm going to say... Um, hmm. Who are you going to say, actually? Oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Which one do you think? Where are you going? Uh... I, I, have to, I feel like Edge has to win this. Like, right. in my mind, with maybe Grizzled Young Veterans potentially debuting there or something like that. Ready? Three, three, two, one. Edge. I want to say Edge, but, like, he beat AJ at WrestleMania. Ready? Just say it. Three, two, one. Who's your pick? I'm going to say AJ Styles, and then Grizzled Young Veterans would show up afterwards. There you go. And you're you're sticking with Edge. Edge. Seth freaking Rollins taking on Cody Rhodes. I don't have a doubt in my mind that Cody Rhodes is gonna pick up the W. Cody. Yeah. I'm going Cody too. I'm gonna say Cody. Six man tag actions, probably the main event. Uh Drew McIntyre, RK Bro versus the Bloodline. I'm gonna say McIntyre and RK Bro. I'll go on RK Bro as well. Save the title unification match for something like Money in the Bank. Helena sells the next pay per view, but Money in the Bank's at a stadium. True. Very true. And then for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, a match I could not care any less about is an I Quit match. Charlotte Flair, the champion, defending it against Ronda Rousey. Writing's on the wall. I think it's going to be Ronda Rousey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Ronda on this one. 
So, but that is WrestleMania Backlash predictions. Going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. It's Casey Kasem. Up next on the American Top 40, it's Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 587. Going to talk about Rampage from last week, which opened up with Darby Allen picking up the victory over Isaiah Snope, uh, Shane Strickland, to qualify for the Owen Hart tournament. I personally don't really get how you don't have Swerve go over in this. Obviously, there's the 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 outside storyline that comes afterwards, but I think the best part of this match was Swerve countering that suicide dive with a knee. I thought it looked absolutely brutal. It looked really good. And Starks ended up walking to the ring. Sting backs him up, but that was enough to distract Strickland. Later on, Darby Allen said he didn't want to win the match or, or have the match end like that. And he's like, I'll go five more minutes if you want. And Swerve's like, no, no, no. I have unfinished business business with Team Taz. So that's why Swerve, I guess, didn't go through. After that, we had Sean Spears just hyping up the unknown opponent for Wardlow, which was clear as day going to be Big Cass, William Morrissey. We had Chris Jericho ending up jumped by Santana. And this match gets set for Dynamite. Another match, we have the the baddie section, TBS, picking up the victory over Sky Blue, Trish Adora, and Willow Nightingale. There wasn't much to this match. And it wasn't, to me, it wasn't long enough to, to showcase much. So I just would have liked to have seen this match be longer. But... If you forget about Red Velvet's feud with with um, Jade Cargill, then I'm I'm happy that they're a team because they're going to be able to be built up together. And I'm a big fan of Kiara Hogan. After that, Keith Lee picked up the victory over Colton Gunn, which was basically just a showcase match for Keith Lee. Austin got involved, but Keith Lee ends up knocking him off the apron, and he and ends up hitting Ground Zero to pick up the victory. After that, we had a Hook and Danhausen segment where before anything could happen, Smart Mark Sterling interrupted with Tony Nese. Uh, Tony Nese, of course, jumping both of them from behind. Mark ends up joining in. Hook takes him out. And then he takes Tony Nese out. And Danhausen goes to curse them. And Hook was behind them, so they ran. So as of right now, it seems like we're going to be seeing Hook and Danhausen maybe form some sort of team. I feel like Hook's been kind of like distancing himself from Team Taz as of late. Um, main event saw Samoa Joe pick up the victory over over uh, Trip Beretta to retain the the Ring of Honor TV Championship. It was a good match. Choke Trent out to pick up the victory there. Um. But Tony Schiavone tries to interview Samoa Joe afterwards. Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutton, Satinam Singh cut this off. And Orange Cassidy goes and does his gimmick to Satinam Singh. Lethal takes him out. Singh takes Chuck out. And then Lethal brawled with Samoa Joe. 
And it was like a pull-apart brawl. Not even a pull-apart brawl. It was a little little scuffle that gets broken up to end Rampage. AEW Dynamite kicks off with an Owen Hart qualifier between Jeff Hardy and Bobby Fish. Jeff Hardy moves on into the tournament. Adam Cole was on commentary for this. This match itself, Jeff Hardy was the only wrestler, is the only wrestler in this tournament, in any of the tournaments, to have actually wrestled Owen Hart. So I'm happy that Jeff Hardy makes it through to the next round. But this match, it was it was pretty slow. And a little sloppy, which I hate saying, but that's what these current Jeff Hardy matches have been. Bobby Fish worked Jeff's leg for the match, and he eventually climbs up very slowly to hit the whisper of the wind, whisper in the wind, and then hits the swanton to pick up the victory. Um, So I'm looking forward to the next round. He's facing Darby Allen, so that should be a cool match. Definitely cool for Darby Allen. I feel like it's going to be Darby going over Jeff Hardy, which to me is unfortunate because I'd prefer to see Jeff Hardy move on in the tournament, but it could be like a passing of the torch sort of thing for Jeff to give to Darby Allen, especially because they've, they've been sort of um, heavily compared, I guess. And the reason why I feel like maybe we could see Jeff Hardy losing that round is because the young bucks came out afterwards to check on Bobby fish. But before checking on Bobby fish, they went face to face with the Hardy boys. So it's a match that the AEW fans obviously have been wanting to see for a a long time now. I mean, WrestleMania 33 was probably around the last time we got, well, not around the last time. I think it was the same day, maybe, or the, the same weekend was the last time we saw Hardys and the Young Bucks. So that's a long time ago. After that, they aired a video package of William Regal training with the Blackpool Combat Club. It was a very well-done video. They posted it online. Um, I don't know if it was a a day before or two days before, but everyone was talking about it. It was a very well-done video. I hope we get more videos like that. But the Blackpool Combat Club have a match. They face off against the Butcher and the Blade and Angelico. Jack Evans' contract wasn't renewed, so he's gone from AEW. But... This match itself, this was just another nothing opponent to me. It's literally the cast of AEW Dark over and over and over again. The last time we saw Angelico on TV was just just over seven months ago. So, like, how could you be invested in somebody if you're not seeing them on TV? Like, why would anybody think that The Butcher and the Blade and Angelico were going to be going over on the Blackpool Combat Club. I want to know when we're getting real competition for this group. These wins, to me, mean nothing. It doesn't show anything. They should be getting these victories, and they should be getting them a lot quicker than they do. Two of them were were giant megastar main eventers. So I would I would just like to see some sort of like actual competition in AEW trios wise. There's I there's not. There's really not going to be. So 
We'll see what happens with that. But after that, Tony Schiavone interviewed Team Taz, which got cut off by Jurassic Express. And Jungle Boy ends up accepting their challenge with the addition of him challenging Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship first. So that match is taking place next week on Long Island. Um, and then like, maybe if, if Jungle Boy wins or Jungle Boy loses, they'll get a tag title shot, perhaps. After that, another interview with Tony Schiavone, this time with Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. And they basically said they're owed a match against Team Taz. So perhaps we'll see them interfere. Maybe Ricky Starks will be losing that FTW championship. I don't know. Next match saw Wardlow picking up the victory over William Morrissey. Like I said before during Rampage, everybody could have assumed it was Big Cass based off of what was said on, on Dynamite last week. But it's awesome to see Morrissey here. And I like this match. I like them using William Morrissey in the first place. Him hitting a leapfrog over Wardlow at one point, I popped for. And he controlled most of this match. Wardlow normally ends his matches with three power bombs, four power bombs. Only one this time, which is kind of makes Big Cass maybe look a little weak. But the fact that Wardlow was able to hit that one power bomb on Big Cass, I thought was was great. That moonsault that he hit on the match in, in the match, I thought was good too. Afterwards, Wardlow, he goes to get locked up and then ends up taking out all the security guards. He wants out of his contract, and MJF pitched a match where if he wins, he can get out of his contract. But he's going to have conditions, and he's going to give those conditions next week on Long Island. UBS Arena, the last time we had that show at the UBS Arena, it was CM Punk getting booed out of the building. So, I don't know if they're expecting Wardlow to get booed next week or what, but if it if if it's any sort of sign of with CM Punk, it could end with MJF getting super heavily cheered and and Wardlow, someone who's like really over in every city, maybe getting super booed. I don't know what that's going to be like. And I don't even know, I, I can't even think to guess what kind of stipulations MJF will, or, are going to have to come up with for what kind of conditions, I should say. But I'm looking forward to that segment. After that, backstage, Tony Schiavone introduced uh, that Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, and Ruby Soho are going to have a tag match on Rampage. I think this took too many shows to lead to a match. I said this last week, they should have had it on Rampage. The the one segment with the four of them leads to a tag match on Dynamite, but it didn't. It led to the same exact segment on Dynamite last week, which then led to this. After that, Adam Page came out, was interviewed, kind of sounded like a heel in this, which I didn't get, but he, he made fun of Punk in a very odd way for being a Bret Hart fan. I, I just, I didn't get that at all. I, I still hope CM Punk doesn't win the, the AEW championship, but 
I don't know. We need like real competition here. Like real, I don't know. I don't can't say real competition. Fans are marking out obviously over Hangman and CM Punk, but I don't know. Something just doesn't feel like main event to me. After that, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh came out and they they yelled about a DDT Pro guy who's coming to AEW. I don't know who he is. And then Jay Lethal challenged him to a match for Rampage, but I don't I just don't know who the guy is. So um I don't know. Could use more of more than a like a six second video package for him. After that, Chris Jericho picked up the victory over Santana. They end up brawling for a bit before the match actually began, which I don't think we needed the brawling beforehand because we saw that during the trios match earlier with the butcher. Um, I found a majority of this match to just be boring. Matty Martell ends up distracting the referee. Hits uh, Jericho hits a low blow, and then the Judas effect to pick up the victory. And then the Jericho Appreciation Society jumps Santana. They take him out with a baseball bat. And to me, it's like, where, how, where are these other odds? Who are the other two people? Are they not going to have two other people? I think they, they really need to even these odds and just end this feud already. At first, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is awesome. But then it's like we get less and less of like the backstage segments with like, 2.0 and more and more of like the same repetitive nothingness after that the gun club had gifts for the acclaimed which were scissors and now they want to scissor them so I don't know if the gun club are gonna be teaming up with the acclaimed or what but uh I don't know it seemed like a segment that Billy Gunn like really enjoyed so I thought that was funny after that, the Varsity Club came out and Brian Pillman Jr. spoke about the House of Black and what happened with Julia's eye and how things have been like, they've been torn apart, etc. John Harbo was there who roomed with Brian Pillman in Brian Pillman's father in college. He is the coach of, um, let's say, a football team. <laughs> maybe a Super Bowl team, I don't know. The House of Black, the Baltimore Ravens will say they were in Baltimore. Um, but the House of Black tried to tear them apart and he's pissed off about it and he took one of the things that Harbo had told him growing up and he's applying it. But he calls out the House of Black, he wants a match with them. They come out and they end up brawling. Obviously, they get the upper hand. And Julia ends up, maybe they're going to play it off as she's possessed by, by the mist. She took the chair and went to go hit Brian Pillman Jr., but she ends up, she can't, she can't hit him. Black takes the chair, he rips her eye patch off. And then she like cowered. Death Triangle came out, House of Black leaves. To me, this storyline kind of take is kind of taking too long. It's been five months on and off. We thought a few weeks ago we would see some sort of like change with Julia Hart in regards to the House of Black, and then it just like went silent for like a month or so. 
But I guess maybe it's the whole thing progressing. I know when Aleister Black got released from WWE, Malachi Black shows up in AEW, he spoke about the long-termness, about how his eye works and everything. It all, I guess, connects back to everything with Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins, everything back then. So maybe this is just like the super long-term version of this with with the the Varsity Blondes. But in between those little those little spots, there's like no reminder. Unless maybe um you're watching, I don't know if they said something, they mentioned something with the House of Black and the Varsity Blondes on AEW Dark. I'm not sure. After that, we saw a backstage segment with Jade Cargill and the baddies section, just hyping all three of them up, hyping Jade Cargill up. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see that. After that, Ray Phoenix picked up the victory over Dante Martin to qualify for the Owen Hart tournament. I like this match. It was oddly slow at points, but we got to see some really cool moves here. And looking at the whole tournament, I know people have their favorite to win. There is a joker in this in this tournament. A lot of people instantly go to Cesaro. Some go to Johnny Gargano. I don't know who the joker is going to be. I can't speculate on that. But if it's not somebody like Cesaro, I wouldn't mind seeing Phoenix go all the way and win this tournament. I think that'd be cool. After that, Thunder Rosa came out, basically just said that she wanted to elevate women's wrestling in AEW and called out Serena Deeb. And this match gets made for double or nothing. The segment itself wasn't so great, but I have very little doubts that this match at double or nothing won't be a really good match. Main event saw Mercedes Martinez pick up the victory over Deanna Perrazzo to become the unified Ring of Honor Women's Champion. I was really happy to see Perrazzo on TV. The crowd was beyond dead for this, which like made no sense other than maybe they just did not care about Ring of Honor. That made no sense to me. They did that for the other Ring of Honor match the other week as well. But to me, this is a terrible outcome, a very obvious outcome. I just think it really sucks. Deanna Prazo is not contracted to Ring of Honor. She's not contracted to AEW. So in that part, it's like you you go into this match knowing, hoping that Prazo wins, but knowing that Mercedes Martinez is walking out as champion. Should there have ever been a, a, a an interim championship? Absolutely not. I don't think so at all. Because Deanna Perrazzo has been on show after show after show defending that Ring of Honor championship. Defending any other title that she had. Now she's titleless. So there in itself is the storyline. I just think it's very unfortunate that Deanna Perrazzo is titleless right now. Because she's truly one of the upper echelon female competitors in pro wrestling today. So we'll see what happens with that. 
Will she be back on AEW television? Probably not. But she has impact. And I hope to see more and more from Deanna Perrazzo. But that is AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon, got any shout outs? I am Grover, and you're listening to Brandon's Shoutouts. The first shout out goes to Better Things, which was a television show on FX created by Pamela Adlon and Louis C.K. If you don't know who Pamela Adlon is, she voiced Bobby Hill on King of the Hill, if you don't know her by name. Uh, But the show is about a divorced actress raising her three daughters, and I think it's one of the best shows on television. I hate that it's over, but I would highly recommend people checking it out. It's on Hulu. Every season's on Hulu, so you could definitely check that out there. My next shout-out I'm going to give to Liv Morgan. Because last week's episode of Main Event, this went viral on on Twitter. She faced Nikki A.S.H. and literally did a one-legged kip-up. And I've never seen anybody ever do a one-legged kip-up before. No, I thought that that was awesome. And she landed it. She stuck it perfectly. Yeah, and a lot of people suggested that maybe Zach Gowan might have done it, and I could swear I've seen Zach Gowan do it, but he quote-tweeted it. He said, I've never been able to do something like that, and he put Liv Morgan over. I thought that was cool also. I kind of feel like I've seen that too from him. He said no. I feel like he'd remember. Maybe. But Owen Hart Memorial Month gets the last shout-out. I do this Every year, and I've literally, like, in my personal calendar, I've made it since he passed away in 1999. And now more than ever with the Owen Hart Tournament, it kicks off next week at the UBS Arena on Long Island, where the Hart family started on Long Island. Many people don't know that. I still think that's so crazy. Yeah. But I just hope, again, that people use hashtag Owen Hart Memorial Month in all their tweets, in, whether it be WWE, whether it be uh, AEW, whether it be Ring of Honor, or, I mean, Ring of Honor is not really running shows, but New Japan, Impact, anything. Just pay tribute to Owen Hart. Yeah. Any Owen Hart, event. I mean, yeah. Legend. Yeah, but uh, those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... Our... Our... Markout Moment of the Week! That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. Do you have any? Do I have any, he says. I'm going to go with um, Big Cass on AEW. Yeah. I'm going to go with Big Cass on AEW this past week. The AEW um, crowds fighting with them, fighting with each other. We want Enzo. No, we don't. Yeah. I want Enzo. That's for sure. I don't want Enzo. So let's fight about it. Why you don't know? you? I, I don't believe that. I'm not. I'm not a big fan. At I all, believe that. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that good. Zero percent chance, though. I believe that. Listen back to my previous episodes. 
Well, I uh, I will say that Young Rock this past week. Spoiler alert coming up, but they did Rock's '96 debut. So we saw Stone Cold portrayed by Luke Hawks, who does a really good Stone Cold Steve Austin voice impression. We saw Undertaker, Triple H, Mankind, and a few others. Cole Cabana played Brooklyn Brawler, which I thought was cool. So it's like Cole Cabana, while being an AEW superstar, kind of <laughs> making a return to WWE. It's like, a, I think it's a WWE-produced show, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken, but Maybe. I thought that was funny. But they also had like a cutaway scene with Haku biting someone's nose off in the bar, which is like a super famous story. Wait, they covered that? Yeah. That's cool. Because when The Rock needed gear for his debut match, he had Rocky Johnson's boots that didn't fit. And all Rocky Johnson could offer him were long tights. He's like, I can't wear long tights. So he calls his uncle Haku for 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 tights trunks so he was wearing trunks that were too big for him apparently but that was a way to introduce who Haku is to the the audience watching so i thought that was really funny and cool so i'm going to have to uh, watch outside it. of that wrestling wise that's probably it but non wrestling wise something that we didn't mention last week, and I know both of us marked out for it. They have a new trailer for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. I think it looks like a really fun movie. It's coming out this month, and it just looks like a modern-day Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Roger Rabbit's going to be in it with the same vocal actor, voice no. actor. Yeah, John Don't Mulaney spoil- is... Don't uh, spoil that. What do you mean? It's not a spoiler. It's been known. Roger Rabbit? Yeah. I think That's it's awesome. in one of the previous trailers. But Mulaney and Sandberg star in it, so... That's, like, the only thing that'll maybe throw me. That they have, like, New York... Kind of, like, Jewish-esque accents. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've always been a fan of Roger Rabbit. So I'm more of a fan of the... Um, the film... You know, the production of it. Like the live action with the cartoon. Yeah, mix. live action mixed with co- uh, cartoon. Yeah, so we're going to, I think we're seeing a bunch of cameos in this film. In the trailer, yeah. we already know Seth Rogen is playing a, a character in this movie. But in the trailer, that character meets Pumbaa from Lion King. And it's it's Seth Rogen's Pumbaa. <laughs> so it's him talking to himself. I thought that was really funny. So... Yeah. I can't wait to watch that, but that's really the mark out moment of the week. And that's truly episode 587. So thank you so much for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at market out at BTTG one six one Chris Sweendog, David PTDPT, facebook.com slash marking out youtube.com slash marking out 11 at marking out 11 on Instagram. Dave and I are both on Instagram at the same handle. CM Sweeney 85. Check us out. ProWrestlingTees.com slash marking out. Buy some t-shirts, some merchandise, TikTok. You can follow us on TikTok at marking out. Check us out. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. And we wish you 
the best of luck of luck in your, in your future, future endeavors. endeavors.